This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to the Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and we have Rusty Page on the line. Rusty is the foster parent of Lexi, who we've been covering over on the Blaze this week. How you doing today, Rusty? I'm about as well as I can be doing. Yeah, I know you guys have had a um, an insane week, a very difficult week for your family, and um, you know. I guess the first place to start here uh, with this case, and just for those who don't know, Summer and Rusty, um, you have three kids, correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. Three plus, kids. Plus Lexi. Plus Lexi. And, and you have been a foster family for Lexi for the past almost five years, correct? Um, for those who don't know, Lexi was taken out of the home this past Monday. Um, and you know, clear this up for me a little bit, Rusty, the reason, one of the reasons why the government has made this decision, it has to do with a federal law, the Indian child welfare act, which was put into effect in 1978. Can you explain to me what the issue is? Just sort of take me through from your perspective, why she was removed from your, from your foster home. Um, well, I mean, it's the I can't say why necessarily, but I can say that the, the Indian Child Welfare Act is the reason why she was removed. Um, she has uh, Native American blood, um, and the Indian Child Welfare Act um, defers to the tribes to see how they delineate um, eligibility. Um, so the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma has a one-drop uh, eligibility requirement. Um, so as such, Lexi was eligible to enroll in the tribe, um, thereby having the tribe be able to dictate um, Lexi's placement. And she now correct me if I'm wrong. One point five percent. She is Na- Native American. Is that correct? That's correct. So, so she's one point five percent. A v- very small amount. Now. The, the issue here, I know there's a very complicated backstory um, with her biological mother, who I believe had substance abuse, has substance abuse problems, and her biological father. Um, take me through, there's a lot of things floating around, you know, in the media, but I guess before before we get there, um, and I know some of that stuff is, is difficult, and there may be pieces that you can't talk about. If, if the stipulation is that a parent um, or whoever's taking care of her should essentially be Native American, uh, I believe that's that's what the law says. Is this couple in Utah where she is now going, this extended family, I believe on her father's side, is that couple, are they Native American? No, and, and, and you're correct. The, the entire intent of the law was to keep Native American families together, um, whereas the reality of Lexi's case is that our home is the first Native American home she's ever been in. So... so can I can Go I ahead, ask Chris. Rusty? You said that uh, that a person could be registered under Choctaw, uh, or if they choose to be registered. When was she registered with Choctaw Nation? I mean, was that something that happened at birth for her? No, it happened about six months ago. So, who did the registering of her? Um, the Lexi's attorney, I believe, is the one who did the registration. Now, is that an attorney that you had contacted and set up? I mean, is is, is her registration with Choctaw? No, that's her. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. 
the registration with Choctaw, that happened without your, you guys did not seek that? No, it's uh, Lexi's court-appointed attorney, I believe, is or, or DCFS, one of the two of them, um, registered her with the tribe. And then how, how did they get permission to register her with the tribe? Did she get that from uh, one of her parents who's not able, who doesn't have custody now? Um, her, her attorney has the, um, the court appointed right to speak on her behalf, which is why if you look at most of the court documents, it, it, it says that she's the one speaking when in reality she's not. Okay. So this, so this attorney took it upon himself, perhaps under the, perhaps under the encouragement of another organization to register her with Choctaw. Um, Lexi's attorney has been the number one proponent of removing her from our home Okay. Um, and and severing that attachment. Gotcha. Um, there, there's something that hasn't been reported much in media that I was told by a couple of sources, and I wanted to ask you about it. You know, the first question that popped in my mind, well, you know, do you or Summer have any Native American blood? Because that, to me, that was, and for a lot, for me, that, and the answer to that question would be no, I don't, but I wondered if you guys did. And so let me just throw that question to you. Do either of you have Native American blood? Um, my wife uh, certainly does, yes. So c- can you take me through the rationale then of not uh, of not allowing you guys, you guys maybe to be in the running to adopt or take a permanent role? And I mean, do you understand why they're not allowing that if your wife has Native American blood? Um, because it's it's not as much about Native American culture and blood to them as it is supremacy of dictation. Um, and I guess one of the other related questions to that, that was interesting. And again, this is what some sources were were saying was that, you know, your wife may be related to a tribe that isn't, that isn't federally recognized in, in some way. And that that could impact how the law is applied. Is that, is that accurate? It's, it's accurate and ironic in that the, um, the ICWA is on, only applies to federally recognized tribes. However, um, the tribes would be the first ones to say that it's it's the white government that determined who who's federally recognized, and it, it's kind of oxymoronic in a way. Um, but at the end of the day, my wife's tribe is direct descendants of the Iroquois Indians, which is obviously a federally recognized tribe. So, so does the does the law? And listen, I I'm, you know I I don't know what the whole law is. You you're obviously more in tune with the laws than I am. But uh, is it is it supposed to be div- divvied up? by tribe or is it simply supposed to be native american raised native american keeping native americans together or is the intention of the law from the 70s about keeping tribes together um well i mean the original the intention versus the practice i think are are two different things at sure. this point. that's that's what's happening is um you know the intention was an indian child welfare act which is to ensure that Native American children's are children are brought up in their culture. Um, it is it's become the Indian Tribal Welfare Act um, to basically give these these tribes um, carte blanche control over children. Mm. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you look at what the intent of the law was, and it was a, it was a great intent. Um, and I encourage people to go onto um, onto our Facebook and to read what my uncle Matt wrote. Um, or Lexi's uncle Matt wrote to the to the chief, um, but at the end of the day, um, the full intent was to make sure that children were brought up to recognize and appreciate their culture. 
Yet what they did this weekend uh, in the culmination of the past few years is to make it to her in five or 10 years. And Lexi looks back, she's going to have nothing but hate for her culture. You know, let, let me, and I want to get into some finer details, but I think there's some important things we need to ask you first. Have you, have you guys had any contact with Lexi since, um, it was Monday, I believe around two thirty PM that she was removed. Have you had any communication with her? We have emailed um, both the social worker and the family in Utah pleading to hear at least how she's doing and where she is, and we haven't heard a single thing. What has your relationship been with that family in Utah? Um, you know, has it been cordial, and how long have you been interacting with them? Because that's been a key thing that's been reported about a lot in media. Yeah, it's um, it's been a, a changing relationship. When we first met them in October of 2013, I believe, um, it was a, or maybe it was 2012, it was a, I don't have my timeline, um, but it was very cordial. Um, I remember we went to a park together when the first time we met them and the first time they met Lexi. Um, and we just, we sat and talked while their kids played with our kids and had a good time. Um, we took them to our favorite restaurant in Santa Clarita um, and we just talked. And I remember specifically the, um, the mom just recognizing how much Maddie, our oldest daughter, was um, protecting of her little sister, Lexi, um, and how that was so moving to them. And so our, our relationship started out in a, in a good way. And I remember um, going to court with them many times, sitting in the lobby and waiting for court to join session um, and just being able to at least talk to them and meet their family and, and have a good time. But as, as things progressed and we continued to, to fight for what was best for Lexi, it became a, a more tumultuous relationship. Um, and that was culminated by some uh, very inappropriate things that happened um, that I'm probably not completely at liberty to talk about. Some of those things I, I, I have an idea about and I've been told some some things about the allegations and things that happened. Um, but and I think, you know, a question off of that was, you know, wh one of the elements I know I've seen. I believe the attorney, I think it was the court appointed attorney saying, you know, look, these are not strangers in Utah. These are people who Lexi knows very well. She visited with them frequently. She Skyped with them either weekly or monthly. Um, take me through how regular this communication was over the years, how consistent it was and what were the visits like? How long were they? Take me through some of that. Yeah. So um, the Skypes have been consistent. Um, since she met with them. And, and those are Skypes that we set up, actually, and and we participate in twice a week with them because we think it's important for them to have that relationship. Um, you know, it's it's the sort of thing where the, the consistency from us has been very, very consistent. They've missed over 20 Skypes in that period of time, um, but we've, been, we've made sure that it's always a priority on our end. Um, the visits themselves... Um, were very infrequent at first, um, but with the second trial judge, they became more frequent with his goal of moving her. Um, so she didn't actually get to go out to, to Utah until um, until much later on. When would you say was the first time, you know, she? I know it's hard to sometimes remember the timeline that she went out there. Um, I would say it was last year. And were those visits pleasant visits for her? Were they, did she have a good time? What was, you know, was it good? Was it bad? What can you tell me about that? I know there's probably limitations on what you can say. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was up and bad. 
or up and down. I mean, it's, of course, any child that age is going to have fun riding horses and, and eating candy and, and really, you know, living by different rules than what she's used to. Um, but at the end of the day, laying her head down on the pillow, um, she would become hysterical. And, and there was a time that they had to call us at 10 o'clock at night for us to calm her down. Um, and, you know, she was confused going out there because at the end of the day, there's family members out there saying, did you know we're going to adopt you or did you know they're not your real family? Um, and that was that was confusing to me. Um, why do you think and I know that there's a, a, a biological there are two biological sisters from what I understand, one living down the road from the family, apparently. And correct me if you believe this account is wrong and one living with this family already. Um, so why do you think they want her there? Is it to reunite the sisters? Is it because they want to keep their family? What do you think their, the motivation is on the other side here of the other family? Well, I think that's two different questions. So one is the, the biological siblings. Um, the oldest biological sibling actually was in LA County until about a year ago. Um, when, when the fight became a little bit more intense, so to speak, um, she moved to Utah, um, and maybe for the first month or so participated in skypes and uh, was there but since then hasn't been on a single skype and even when lexi's gone to utah three times she only saw her for about 10 minutes the first time um, and hasn't seen her since then so um it's it's become a a missing a missing link that even the judge was asking about hmm. There was a report, and it, I think it was from 2014, and it was, you know, they, they were saying it was just one line about how um, you and Summer had sued another family or had been in court with another child before this. And I don't know if you want to speak to that or, you know, but I know that that's floating out there. And so I don't know if that's oh, a, go Go ahead. I, you know, go ahead and comment on that, if you if you will. Yeah, so I mean, my first comment is that they've they've accused us of of leaking private information. Any information that's out there on the Indian, uh, I think it's on the Indian Country Network website, um, would have been information from a confidentially sealed DCFS record, um, but yet it was leaked incorrectly. Um, our first foster child, um, we had a very good relationship with the birth parent, or at least with the birth father. Um, I monitored probably upwards of eight hours of visits a week with him, had a good relationship with him, continued a relationship with him post reunification with his grandmother. Um, there was no, never such a lawsuit or anything along those lines. It was always um, the goal. We didn't, we had no intention to adopt um, that child, um, nor did we have an intention to adopt Lexi from the beginning either. Um, so he successfully reunified with his, biological grandmother and that was that was a good thing so there was no legal there was no lawsuit or anything like that before with another child no oh interesting well you know this and, is the, and that's, that's why anything you read on indian indian country network is is fabricated at this point 
this is part of the problem with cases like this is they're so complicated and there's so much to them that there are 50,000 different stories that are pulling different things, different quotes, different claims from all different people. And so it's best to try to talk with people, you know, and and ask ask these questions. Um, now, I know you weren't initially planning on adopting um, Lexi. At what point did you guys say we really want her to be a permanent part of our family? And did you start to try to adopt? Um, it was... I mean, I think that's that's a difficult question. At, at the end of the day, it was more when um, when Lexi wanted to be a part of our family. Um, you know, as as you overcome trauma and as a child gets familiar with the same person tucking her in every night, saying the same, you know, singing the same songs, doing the same things, it's very easy for a child to become attached to the people that are helping her heal from her past. Um, as we saw that grow. Um, late in the first year she was with us, that's when we realized that the effects of her broken attachment trauma from before would be further, just made much, much worse um, if she were to be moved once again. Um, I know that this is a complicated dynamic when you have, I would imagine there was an an agency you were working with and then you have the government in the county and then you have the other family uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but but the agency you were working with that that placed Lexi in your home, um, what was your relationship with that agency, and how have they, as far as you can tell, reacted to this legal battle and to the most recent decision to have Lexi removed from your home? Um, I, I'm assuming you're referring to the foster family agency, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so the, the foster family agency... Um, all along has provided information to the uh, to the social worker in their quarterly reports. Um, they have experts who are, I mean, it, you spoke to one of them before, but who, um, who are experts in bonding and attachment. Um, and all along they presented to, uh, to DCFS um, the, the side of the story because they saw Lexi more than, far more than DCFS is able to. Um, and yet those quarterly reports never made it to the court until we started submitting them directly, even though DCFS is required to submit all quarterly reports provided by FFAs. So, so the FFA has been a long longtime proponent of what, what we're doing, um, specifically helping Lexi heal and maintain a permanent and stable relationship. So do you know why those forms weren't being supplied to the court? Um, I would assume for the same reason that many of the other corrupt things within the Indian unit have happened. There's, so, there's been an agenda since since day one. So there's there is there is something happening with the Indian government that is uh, interfering with the California government. No, no. So uh, sorry if that it, it's probably a little confusing. Within Department of Child and Family Services, there's an Indian unit that's dedicated to handling ICWA cases. Mm. Um, they still report to the same director, which is Philip Browning. Um, but going back as far as 12 years ago, when we had a friend go through almost the exact same situation, um, it's been rampant full of corruption, uh, collusion with therapy organizations like United American Indian Involvement. Um, it's, it's stacked in the favor of applying the ICWA in ways that it was never intended to be applied. So did the documents that didn't make it to the court, they just happened to not make it? Is that what's being said? Or do you know that they were blocked? I mean, what's the, 
what's the reason that's given in court for those documents not being there? Um, no reason. They just never made it until we started manually submitting them ourselves. I'll be darned. Uh, and it wasn't until we were granted de facto status that we were even able to manually submit them ourselves. Jeez. And de facto status is, is base, basically gives you sort of parental rights, right? I mean, describe, explain that for me. <laughs> it, it basically gives us the ability to be heard on behalf of Lexi and our family um, in the court. So um, basically what happened is um, Lexi's attorney at the time um, recommended that we fight, and she gave us the name of our attorney to call. Um, and she actually helped us submit the de facto status paper because that also happened to get lost when we submitted it. Um, we were granted de facto status, which immediately gave us the ability to have what's called a good cause hearing, which is a good cause to deviate from ICWA's placement preferences. Um, when that happened, she filed a do not remove order. Um, and yet the county of DCFS still tried to remove her in spite of a DC or a do not remove order. You know, I know you guys, you guys are Christians, correct? Absolutely. And that has been something that I haven't seen. I know I, I saw the people outside of your home, you know, singing hymns and, you know, it, the faith aspect of this, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, and, you know, first I wanted, I wanted to ask what, why do you guys, um, why do you guys foster? What is the, what is the reason for you personally that you guys have done this in, in the first place? Well, I mean, we have, we have a heart for children and, and we're called, um, to, to care for the widows and orphans and, and particularly in Lexi's, uh, case, as it says in Proverbs, we're called to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, and Lexi in particular with her attorney has an attorney that's speaking on her behalf in a way that is blasphemously wrong. Um, so, you know, we, we trust in, in the Lord that he's going to, he's going to help us as we, as we do what he's called us in, in his word to do. And in your history of, of being foster parents and, and taking care of kids, have you ever had any complaints filed against you? No, as a matter of fact, um, in our, in our initial history of, with our first foster placement, we actually had people, from DCFS non-Indian unit constantly calling us, asking us to take more kids. Um, you know, we, we have done nothing but make sure that, um, that we do what's best for, uh, for parent birth parents. Um, and you know, it, we, we have had complaints against us from the Indian unit since Lexi's been in our home. Um, but all those complaints were dropped, uh, once the facts actually came out. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, we, we still see our, our old social worker from our first foster case and, and she, uh, she knows what's going on and she knows that what's going on is, is not a correct statement of our, uh, of our personal, um, belief or our personal, um, ethics. You know, that video on Monday that was posted to Facebook, I think it was KTLA, was difficult to watch. And I think a lot of, I think that was the reaction that everybody had, regardless of where they stood or what they thought they knew about the details, was that it was a very tough thing to watch. It's, I mean, your wife was very upset. Your kids were very upset. It sounded like Lexi was crying as you were carrying her out. Is that accurate? Was, was she crying as well? Um, well, I mean, she was crying far before we carried her out. She, 
Um, she started crying the minute I opened the door to come into the house to tell them that we had to take her. Um, she heard her attorney's voice telling my wife um, that they were here to get her, and she is mortified of her attorney. Um, so when we came in and told her what was happening, uh, she turned ghost white and started hysterically crying. Um, and so to the people saying that the media scared her um, or the people yelling that we love you scared her, um, her fear came well before I, I, I broke open the door that was protecting her from the fears. Um, was she, I mean, how much time, how much notice did you have? It sounds like they just showed up. Did you know they were coming and, you know, were there belongings she was able to get? I mean, like how much, how much notice did you have and how prepared were you for when they arrived at the door on Monday? We had asked DCFS to tell us when they were coming and there was no response whatsoever. And um, I was three doors down actually. And um, on the phone with one of our, um, one of our assemblymen. And I remember uh, one of my close friends grabbed the phone from my ear and shoved me and said, you need to go. And they were there. Uh, no warning whatsoever. Um, we had packed a bag ahead of time, knowing that there was a court order for her to be moved. Um, but seeing as we couldn't tell her anything, um, it's not like we could pack up all of her belongings for her without her knowing. Um, so my oldest daughter frantically and hysterically ran upstairs to get her favorite doll, or favorite bear to give to her. Um, and that was it. She left with a backpack and a bear. What did she say to you? What did she, what did you, did you have a chance to say anything to her? Did she have a chance to say anything to you before she drove off? I know it was very, it looked very abrupt in the video. You brought her out and she was gone. Did you have a chance to say anything to each other beforehand? Well, I mean, we, we took the opportunity to talk to her in the house and let her know how much we love her. Um, let her know that we were not giving up on her. Um, let her know that we will constantly fight for her. Um, they all the kids called me Superman. I don't, I'm not sure why, but um, that's what they do. And she asked me to be her Superman. And as I let go of her, she called me Superman. Don't let me go. Don't let them take me. Um, so <clears throat> that's how she left. So, so if it appears that there was media there, not just people with their cell phones, how did they know about it? About the. Uh, the government coming to pick up the daughter, but you didn't, or did, or did they get informed after they showed up? The media had been there since Friday. They just been um, camped out. Yeah. I mean, obviously once they showed up, um, you know, I, I have no idea what happened once they showed up because I was inside trying to console a, a very, very, very upset girl. Hmm. Um, and in and as far as you know now she's in she's in Utah. Has she left California and is now in Utah? I have no idea. I don't even know where she's been laying her head at night. Um they haven't even given me the common courtesy to tell me that. Um and you've been really gracious with your time, so we're gonna let you go here in a minute. But um I have a question and Chris may have um some other questions, but the the main thing that I wanted to ask you is what what happens next? What's going on now legally speaking and what are your avenues forward? Well, I think there's there's two avenues forward. One is 
Um, we, we've been pleading with the family in Utah to to avail themselves to be Lexi's hero um, so that she can come home, be with the family that she sees as her family, and be the hero who returns her home and enables them to have a relationship that's far stronger um, from that standpoint. Um, so that's our first goal. Um, the second goal is that uh, we're currently in the California Supreme Court um, and we'll take it to the federal Supreme Court if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, both for Lexi and for the many other children that we personally know that ICWA is doing a major disservice to. Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to ask? Uh, no, I think we've covered it. I was just going to, I mean, to, to sum up, I guess, you took a, a young, a little girl who was, what, 17 months old when you got her? Um, no, she was a little over two. Okay. She had actually just had her second birthday. So, But she had come from a home where her father was part Indian, apparently very little Indian because she's only one and a half percent. Her mother wasn't. Her mother was, was her mother a drug addict and her father was a criminal and both of them unable to take care of the, of the child? Um, all I can talk about is what's in the public court records. Okay. I think, is it, Billy, is that right from what I'm remembering from those the story? Are, those are the allegations. Okay, yeah, those, those are the allegations. allegations. Yeah. So uh, that, I'll, I'll be careful not to say anything. That I don't want to, I don't what, remember what's what, in the court what, What's in, what's in the, what's, what's out there in the story? I'm just trying to sum up here. They, you, she was put with you to, essentially to save her life because there wasn't a parent to take care of her. You kept her for... Well, I mean, Iqua in its entirety um, would, would basically say that she needs to stay, with, stay within proximity of her birth father during reunification. There were no Native American foster homes, registered Native American foster homes in L.A. County. Right. Um, and so, you know, she initially was placed with us as they tried to find one, and they were unable to find one. Um, and you guys and, had... You know, you didn't want her being away from a home during Christmas. And, and quite frankly, we wanted to help her because that's, that's what God calls us to do. And she, and so she lived with you and knew you as her parents for years. And then suddenly is being removed from your family because you're not Indian enough and being moved in with a family that's not Indian. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I would love to say that it's about who's Indian, who's not Indian. Um, well, it's not or that, who's though, obviously. blood-related and who's not blood-related, but right. that's, that's not what it's about. Right. In fact, the family that she's moving in with is, is, is not only not at all Indian, is also not actually related to her. I mean, by blood. Is that right? By blood or, you know, were it not for ICWA, had they petitioned to adopt her post-termination of services, um, we would have actually been the higher preference for adoption based on case law in California. Right. Okay. Um, and when you say it's not, when you say it's not about, I mean, under the law, the that's kind of the government's rationale, right? Like, you know, the the well, this yeah, is yeah, it's under the law versus under the application of the law right now. Sure. Right. That's the difference. Right. right. I mean, and this is what the tribe wants. They've made it clear that they that, and for some reason that it seems this family has elevated has has been elevated up to a position higher than where you guys would stand would stand. Um, and just one last. But in, interestingly, the the tribe themselves was unaware of a lot of the information. Um, we were originally told that all information to the tribe must go through the social worker, and the social worker confirmed she sent it all. 
Um, and yet during court, the tribe said they'd never seen any of that information, and that could have had an impact on how they viewed us, she said. Hmm. Hmm. Um, have you been in contact with the tribe directly? Um, we have reached out to the tribe several times. Um, in the four and a half years Lexi's been here, they have not once called or emailed us directly. So the, which also makes me wonder about how much they care about her versus the agenda. And maybe we've covered this or it's in the story, but the connection to Utah, is the connection to Utah only the fact that her birth father's married in-law relatives happen to live there? There's no other Choctaw connection to Utah, is there? Right. There's, you know, despite what people are saying, there is no Choctaw reservation in Utah. Yeah, okay. So she's um, not, go she's not going, to, going to live on any res land or anything. No, and, and if you look back two years ago, even even the latest arguments they have about why they want to move her were not existent at that time okay. with biological siblings and things like that. They were actually, that's if you look at the court documents, that's one of the main arguments that the trial judge initially made is that Lexi should stay with us because her half-sister lives in L.A. Right. Mm. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time and we hope that we can um, keep in touch with you. And I mean, do you anticipate that there will be a time where you won't be able to speak about this case? I mean, is that something that could come down the pike here where you kind of have a gag order? I, I anticipate that. But at this point, um, I think that the, the 90,000 people around the world um, in over 100 countries that have spoken on Lexi's behalf. Um, I think they can carry on my tongue. Um, and I think that um, the, the many, and that's why we're going to these media outlets is I think the, the word needs to continue to be spoken even after I'm silenced. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time and uh, thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Thanks, Rusty. All right. Thank you.